It may seem odd that I ask you to turn to Ephesians 2. Now we read that earlier for our scripture reading. We're going to be in Genesis 12. But I want to explain um, briefly a connection that I would like to make and uh, why I read from Ephesians 2 earlier. Last week we covered the call of Abraham. We we mentioned briefly that Abraham, you could say, had a pagan upbringing. We read from Joshua 24 uh, where it talked about Abraham's family and the fact that they worshipped other gods. Um, we talked about from Romans chapter 4 that God is a God who calls into existence things that don't exist. We mentioned that the nation of Israel did not exist. It was not a thing. Um Abram was not born of Jewish descent because there was no such thing as Jewish descent. The, the, the source, the root of the nation of Israel uh, is Abraham. And there would not be an Abraham who was the father of a great nation and through whom all the nations of the earth would be blessed if there was no call of Abraham. And so we talked a bit as well about the fact that God is the one who called Abraham even though he had a pagan heritage. And that his father worshipped other gods. And we talked about the mercy and the grace of God to, to call Abram. And not only call him, but to give him the gospel. And we talked about how that promise to Abraham that in him all the families of the earth will be blessed is a gospel presentation. And I said that you don't have to take my word for it. We read from Galatians chapter 3 where Paul says... The gospel was preached to Abram when it was said, In you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Today, we're going to read a verse that says, Abraham did all that God told him to do. And he, we're going to talk about the fact that he acted in faith. But I wanted to read from Ephesians 2 just so we can kind of see the order of things. We know that there was a call to Abram, and Abraham did follow. Abraham did go. And as we go through the life of Abraham, we're going to see we're going to see great things that are accomplished. We're going to see promises of God fulfilled. We're going to see Abraham be obedient. We're also going to see Abraham and Sarah do some pretty knuckleheaded stuff, do some pretty foolish things. We're going to see them doubt God. We're going to see them lack faith. We're going to, it, it's, become, it, it's going to become clear that Abraham really is just a man. A man who sins. A man who lacks faith at times. A man who is obedient in the grand scheme of things. You say, well, Abraham did get up and he went and he followed God. But within that overarching story of faith, we see shortcomings. We see the flesh, we see doubt, we see fear, and we're going to see all that. But Abram is certainly remembered as a man of faith. But none of this, none of this would be possible were it not for the call of God to Abraham to get up and to go to a land that I've prepared for you. And in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 it says, For by grace have you been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. 
It was not something special. It was not something powerful about Abraham that made God choose him. It wasn't that Abraham was just head and shoulders above the rest of everybody else and God said, oh, I have to choose Abram. I have to choose him. It was nothing other than the grace and the mercy of God that compelled God to call Abram to make a great nation of him and through that nation bring the Messiah and through the Messiah all the nations of the earth be blessed. So one thing that I want us to be very clear on is as we study the life of Abraham, really, over and above that, what we are studying and what we are looking at is the grace of God and the faithfulness of God to accomplish that which He intends to accomplish. Now, I want to be clear on that. Yes, we're going to be looking at Abraham's life. We're going to be looking at the events of his life. But over and above that, I want us to always be focused on the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the providence of God. And then we do look at the faith and the obedience of Abraham. By grace, through faith. We read elsewhere in Scripture in the book of James that faith without works is dead. And it would have been an odd thing for Abraham to say, God, I believe you, I trust you. And then he never gets up and he never goes. We would have said, well, Abraham never did anything. He said that he believed. He said he trusted God. He never did anything. Faith without works is dead. Right? We're going to study. We're going to read that Abraham did in fact get up and go. And there's lots of things that took place in the life of Abraham. But were it not for the grace of God, which called him and brought him out of the land of his fathers, there would, no be, there would be no life of Abraham to study behind. There would be no life of Abraham to look upon and see the goodness and the providence of God, not only to Abraham, but to God's people. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Our lives as believers today are no different. We would not be able to boast in Christ as our Savior. We would not be able to rejoice in our salvation were it not for the grace of God that saved us. Were it not for the grace of God in which He, he called us as His own. We would not be able to talk of our faith that we have in Christ, the faith that we now exercise, were it not for the grace of God that led to us having faith so that we could exercise that faith. We are saved by grace through faith. This is not our own doing. We would not exist here today, neither physically nor spiritually as believers, were it not for the work of God. Were it not for the grace of God. It's not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so, I want to use this as kind of a launching pad for as we get into the life of Abraham. Because there, we're going to see lots of works and deeds and actions that take place in the life of Abraham. We're going to see lots of 
life events. We're going to see God's goodness and His faithfulness. But just as Abraham is God's workmanship, we we as believers, we are His workmanship. It is His grace that has saved us. It is His work that has brought us to Himself. By grace, through faith, and this is not our own doing, it is the gift of God. And we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Christians are meant to live a life of obedience, a life of good works that are for the glory of God. And God prepared these beforehand that we should walk in them. So, I know that was brief and I know that might seem a a bit odd that I used Ephesians 2. But I want that to be a launching pad and I want us to hold on to that. Because as we read the life of Abraham, I mentioned last week that Genesis is not just a history of the Jewish nation. Genesis is not just a history of um, the beginnings of stuff that happened in the Old Testament. When we read of Abraham and the nation of Israel, we are reading our own history. Because it is those who are of the faith that are the children of Abraham. So when we read this, this is our personal history. The history of God's people who did not exist once we were not a people. But God made us His people. And it started with Abram. And Genesis chapter 12 verse 4 says, So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarah his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Abram went as the Lord told him. You turn to to Hebrews chapter 11. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read briefly. Again, I mentioned earlier, Abraham is certainly remembered as a man of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8 says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that uh, that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and building is God. By faith, We'll bring Sarah into this briefly. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. So Abram is remembered for his faith. And it is that faith That drove him to go. As the Lord commanded. In Genesis 15. We're told that. um, Verse 4 of Genesis 15 says. Behold the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son will be your heir. And he brought him outside and said. Look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them. And then he said to him. So shall your offspring be. 
And Abram believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. So Abram got up, and he went, and he was obedient. And that was an act of faith. But I want us to know that that obedience and that faith was exercised after the call. God called Abraham. Abram then went up and he went. You say, why is that important for us today? Why do you want or wish to pull that out? Why did you bring up that it was counted to Abraham as righteousness that he believed? Why is that important? I stressed earlier, I said I wanted to bring up the order of things. There was a call from God to Abraham. Then Abram exercised faith and then he was obedient. That is important for us because we are saved by grace through faith. In all of Abraham's life, it is nothing that Abraham did that earned him his calling. That earned him righteousness. It was not because Abraham was so faithful that God said, okay, I'll consider you righteous. Because of all that you've done, because of all the works that you did, because of the life that you live, now I will consider you righteous. No. It was simply because he believed. How is a guilty sinner made right before a holy God? Nothing has changed. How is a sinner justified before a holy God? It will never be our works. It has never been our works. It will never be our obedience to that which God has commanded. It will never be our own efforts. It will never be our own willpower. How is one counted as righteous? How is one justified before a holy God? Faith alone. Believing. If you were with us during Sunday school... We were in John 6, and Jesus himself literally said, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Believe. Have faith. Now we know here, certainly in Genesis chapter 12, Christ has not physically come on the scene yet. So we're not, we're not here saying that, Oh, Abram was able to just know and comprehend that he needed to place his, his faith in Jesus Christ. But no, He had faith in the promise of God. That there would be a great nation. That God would give them a land. As an inheritance. As their promised possession. He trusted in that. Which means ultimately Abram had faith. That God is who he says he is. That God is truth. That God is faithful. That God is And those two words take us all the way back to one of the very first sermons that we looked at in Genesis. Those two words. The fact that God is should shape our entire worldview. It should affect every aspect of our lives. It should drive our actions. It should drive our thoughts, our words. Abraham believed that God is God. And he had faith in the promises of God that God would accomplish all that he said he would accomplish. And that faith was counted to him as righteousness. There is so much in that for us to learn today. 
Now, none of us have the ability, the gift. It might be a gift. It might be a curse if we could. But none of us has the ability to see the heart of man. But I would venture to say that there's probably close to an innumerable multitude of people that are hoping to make themselves right with God by their religious efforts. Perhaps they've been in church since they were knee high to a grasshopper. And they read the scriptures and they try to the best of their human ability to do that which they see in the scriptures. To be obedient to it. To live it out. And they are striving and they are giving all of their energy and they are giving all of their efforts in order to be a good person. And when I say a good person in this example, I don't just mean a generic good person like, oh, I'm trying to do some good stuff. They're actually looking at the scriptures. They go to church. They worship through tithes and offerings. They lift their voice in song. To look at their life, you would say they're living the life of a Christian. But if you were to ask them, why are you doing the things that you're doing? And if they were to give an honest answer, they would say, I'm doing all of these things so that I can be made right with God. And that is the mindset of someone who is lost without an understanding of the gospel. All of our religious efforts, all of our be, all, all of our obedience, all of our striving, even if we say it's in an effort for him. If we are trying to earn our right standing, if we are doing all that we do so that hopefully God is pleased with us and God is happy with us, I can assure you he's not. Because even our righteousness is as filthy rags. Again, using Abram as our example here. There was nothing special or nothing spectacular. There wasn't even, we read of nothing in Scripture that there was something godly or something righteous that was already in Abram. That made God choose him and call him. What we read is that God called Abram. What we later read is that there was pagan worship in his family. What we also read in Scripture is that God has mercy on whom he has mercy. We read from Scripture that God saves. God has chosen a people for his own possession because it was the good pleasure of his will. Abraham was called by God. Abraham believed. Abraham exercised faith. And that was the source or the driving factor behind the obedience. God said, get up, go. I'm going to take you to a land that I promise you. There's going to be a great nation. And you, all the families of the earth, shall be blessed. And what do we read? So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. And all I'm stressing right now this morning is the simple fact 
that Abraham was not called by God because of the life that he had lived up to that point. Abraham was not called by God because God just knew, oh, well, if I call Abraham, then he's going to do the stuff that I'm going to have him do or anything else. It was grace. It was grace. Which takes us back to those verses in Ephesians chapter 2 when Paul is writing to New Testament believers and he says, it is by grace you are saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. When we look at our Christian lives, if you say, well, I started, I started following God when I was 15 years old. Or I started following Christ when I was 18 years old. Or it, maybe it was later in life. I made a profession of faith when I was 35 years old. And I've been following God ever since. Let us not ever be tempted to look at our lives and think, look at the faith that I had. Look at how obedient I've been. Look at the things that I've done for the kingdom. Look at, look at the things that I've done for God. More importantly, let us never look to these things and say, because of my obedience, because of my works, because of the things that I've done for God, that's how I know that I'm saved. If we are saved today, it is simply because of this. God is who He says He is. That is it. God is who He says He is. And He is faithful. We as New Testament believers, we, we are saved today because we know that in Genesis 3, when God said the head of the serpent will be crushed by the seed of the woman, that Jesus Christ is that promise fulfilled. And we have faith in that. We believe that Jesus dying upon the cross, shedding His blood, resurrecting on the third day, that that is proof of our redemption. That that is proof that all those who are in Christ are redeemed. Have received, will receive the gift of salvation. That our righteousness, any righteousness that we have, is only found in Christ. And so we are saved today simply by grace through faith. Faith that God is who He says He is. That Christ came to accomplish the will of the Father. And in all of that, in Christ coming and accomplishing the will of the Father, there is a direct tie all the way back to Genesis. Right after the fall. And here in chapter 12 and in the chapters to come, again, we are just studying the unfolding of this story of redemption. Of this story of grace. After all, last week, we covered, Paul himself said, the gospel was preached to Abram. And so please don't get hung up on, well, Jesus isn't on the scene yet. Caleb, we're just in Genesis 12. I understand that. But I want us to see the beauty and the unity of all of Scripture. Yes, even here in Genesis 12, 
we're getting glimpses and we're getting foreshadowings of Christ to come. So that when God said to Abram, um, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abraham did not comprehend the fullness of that promise. I don't think Abraham was sitting there thinking, wow, this means that he's going to send Jesus as the Messiah and Gentiles are going to be grafted in. And I don't think Abraham understood all of that. We do because we get to look back on that. But here's what we do know about Abraham. He believed. That's it. God had spoken and Abraham believed. And it was counted to him as righteousness. We must understand that still today. That there has ever and always been one mode of salvation. Those that are saved are saved by grace through faith. And what comes after that? What comes after that call from God to His children ought to be obedience. And that obedience is driven by faith. Abram believed and it was counted to him for righteousness. Abram was not called because of anything special or significant in him. He was called by the grace of God as God saw fit to continue to fulfill his promises to to bring His Word to fruition. And, and again we know that all of this leads to. Christ. The Savior. And it is important for us. Because again we so often get tripped up. And we think well I'm just trying to be a good Christian. I'm being obedient. I'm doing the work. I'm doing what God tells me to do in His Word. But we have to ask ourselves. Why? Why are we doing it? Are we doing it because we're trying to make ourselves right? Or are we doing it simply because we believe who God says He is? We believe that Christ is Lord. And we are doing these things simply out of an act of faith. That God is God and we have been saved. I'll note once more. In the life of Abraham. I don't want anybody to be shocked. Once we start going through his life. And it's not going to take long. Just as soon as we get. It's not going to happen today. Just as soon as we get to him and his wife in Egypt. So not even the end of chapter 12. We will see that Abraham is indeed just a man. A man who has doubts. A man who has fears. A man who lacks faith. His faith was not perfect. A man who tries to come up with his own plans. In order to protect himself. And yet at no point does God say. All right, Abram, I'm done with you. I gave you another chance. You blew it again. I'm picking somebody else. We are going to become very familiar with the fact that Abram is just a man. But he is a man who was called by God. Chosen by God to be the father of a great nation. And God... Was faithful in the life of Abraham. God was the unchanging factor in the life of Abraham. 
God was that rock in the life of Abraham. And as many times as Abraham fell on his face and doubted and feared, and even though Sarah laughed, God was still faithful. And God still accomplished what He intended to accomplish. And so it is with us. I'm not asking for testimonials. We're not here for confession this morning. But just by a nod of your head or maybe a slipping up of the hand. How many of us would be honest enough to admit that even after we professed faith in Christ, we've fallen on our face a few times and we've sinned and we've doubted and we've lacked faith and everything else. Okay? I figured that would be the response. How many of us can also say that although we lacked faith and although we doubted and and although our emotions changed and although our thoughts have changed and and although we might not have acted in a manner that that we knew was was proper and, and was good, one thing we can say about our Christian life is God has never changed and God has always been faithful. Right? And so it is. And so it is. From the book of Genesis, through Revelation, through our time today, and on through eternity. The only reason any of us are here today is because God is God and He is faithful. He is faithful. None of us are here today because Abraham was such a great man. We are here today because God is such a great God. The nation of Israel did not come into existence. That promise was not fulfilled because Abraham was so awesome. Israel as a nation was born and that promise came to fruition because God is awesome. The Messiah did not come because Abram was perfectly obedient and did everything just the way that he was supposed to do. And therefore, God allowed that promised seed to come so that the nations would be blessed. No, The Messiah came, Jesus Christ was born because God is who He says He is. And He's faithful to keep His promises. We must understand that today as believers. You and I are not here because of works that we've done, choices that we've made, or anything of the sort. Ultimately, any of us are here as believers only by the grace of God. I'll move on. Because I do want to mention a couple of other things brought up in this passage briefly. And this too points to the faithfulness of God. Verse 5. Abram took Sarah his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Why Canaan? Genesis chapter 9 verse 25. Noah says... Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. So if you were to go back and look at our lineages, and from whence Abram came, he comes from Shem's descendants. So God is upholding this curse and this blessing that proceeded from the mouth of Noah. Let Canaan be a servant to his brothers. 
And God has promised Abram Canaan land. The land of the Canaanites. There's a reason in that. There's a purpose in that. God is upholding his word. God is fulfilling his promises. Even through the words of Noah. But God is upholding this and and fulfilling this. Because God is faithful. And once more may I just stress. All of this is connected. How many of us would say that even just through these first few chapters of Genesis, we've been exposed to more connections within Scripture than than maybe we knew were there previously? Okay, here's the thing. First off, I'll start here. It's only going to get better, right? How many of you like seeing the connections? Okay, it's only going to get better. So I'll start there. Because I don't want what I'm going to say now to just overwhelm you. I don't want you to get overwhelmed and say, oh, no. So let me offer this as an encouragement as well. I've been pastoring for eight years now. And let me assure you, I could confidently say that in my own assessment of myself, I probably don't even know half of all the connections that are actually there. Okay. That being said. If, you're, if you've noticed this many more connections just through 11 and a half chapters of Genesis. It's only going to get better because let me assure you, all throughout Scripture, there is not one piece of information that is just disjointed and there for no reason. It's all connected. So by the time that you get to Revelation, in many, many ways, each and every believer, we ought to be able to do this on our own. Now, to varying degrees... I'm not saying that each believer ought to be able to do it perfectly. But each and every one of us as believers, by the time we get to Revelation, we ought to be able to say, oh, that connects to this, and this connects to that, and that connects to this promise, and this promise connects to this event, and this event connects to this promise, and boom, hey, we're all the way back here in Genesis. Why? Because it's all connected. It's all the unfolding of God's plan of redemption for His people and for the preeminency of Christ in all things. So why Canaan? Even that's not disjointed or disconnected from anything. Noah pronounced a curse. Why? And that takes you all the way back. Okay, well after the flood, Noah got drunk. That's not good. But one of his sons kind of mocked and told his older brothers about it and didn't do anything about it. But the other two brothers covered him. And that's why Noah said, Canaan be cursed. A servant to his brothers. And God here has just told Abram. That's it. That's the land. So they go to Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land. To the place at Shechem. To the oak of of Morah. Or the terebinth tree. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said. To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord. Who had appeared to him. There's a promise from God. To your offspring, I will give this land. Why? Because there's fulfillment of promises, fulfillments of a curse. We see the consistency. We see the connectedness of all of this. 
You say, Caleb, why are you so big on that? Why does it matter that everything's connected? Why does it matter that everything is consistent? Because the more consistency we see, the more cohesion that we see, the more unity that we see from the scriptures, it just proves more and more and more and more and more. God is faithful. God is a God that we can trust. God is a God who keeps his word. God is a perfect God. He is a steadfast God. He is an unchanging God. He is the true God of all creation. If we went through scripture and everything was disjointed and it's not really connected and and it's all just, well, we can learn this from this and we can learn this from this. And some of the promises weren't fulfilled. Some of the prophecies weren't fulfilled. If we went through scripture like that, then we would have to say, well, whoever this God is that claims that this is his word, sometimes he drops the ball. And the stuff that he does doesn't really seem to be connected. It's kind of all over the place. It's kind of scatterbrained. It doesn't really seem to be in order. I don't know if I want to trust a God like that. A God who can't keep things in order. A God who can't accomplish what he actually wants to accomplish. A a God who's not in in full reign from start to finish. I don't really know if that's the idea of a God that I want to get behind. Now, of course, here I'm speaking as a skeptic and I'm speaking as a non-believer. For us as believers, we know this is the Word of God. And we know that from the Scriptures, we are told all Scripture is God-breathed. And it's profitable. Well, that would lead to another problem. If Scripture was disjointed and not really connected, but it was God-breathed, then that would say something about God. Therefore, the flip side of that coin, when we see the consistency, when we see the unity, when we see the perfection... Within the scriptures, that tells us something about the God who inspired the text. And it gives us a greater reason to boast in him. So even the land of Canaan is significant. God is faithful. Also note that I I think in some it says a terebinth tree and some it says an oak tree. But in the life of Abram, we're going to see lots of altars built and we're going to see lots of events that revolve around a terebinth tree or the oak tree um, whichever translation yet you're going to see this repetitive thing that happens in his life that there's a terebinth tree abram at the terebinth tree and you see this and so that show that that itself points to abram's faithfulness to remember god to honor god to glorify god When there is a promise given, where there is an event where God fulfills something or accomplishes something, we will see often that Abraham builds an altar or Abram meets with God at the terebinth tree. So do keep that in mind as well. To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there uh, to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel. And pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward Nacob. So that's as much ground as we're going to cover this morning. I know I've talked about much. And really, the vast majority of what I brought up this morning was really just focused on that first verse that we covered today. Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. We read from Ephesians 2, we're saved by grace through faith. It is not our obedience, it is not our works that saves us. It is not our works or our obedience that forces God or compels God to call us as His own. 
We are saved by grace. Through faith. There is a faith that is exercised. And even that is the gift of God. It is not our own doing. Salvation is still the same. If you're looking for takeaways this morning. Salvation is still the same. How is a sinful man made right before God? Faith alone. Faith in what? We as New Testament believers, faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. God still calls His own. The same way that He called Abram. God still calls His own. True faith. True faith still leads to obedience. True faith always leads to obedience. Someone who says, I believe in God, I've got faith in God, but their life has never changed. They have never shown any evidence of the fruits of the Spirit. They're a liar and the truth is not in them. The Scripture is clear. True faith leads to obedience. Leads to a changed life. If you have been regenerated and you're a person of the faith, God is not going to leave you unchanged or to leave you in your sin. True faith leads to obedience. Again, it would have been very odd for Abram to say, Okay, God, I got you. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go. I believe in you. I've got faith in you. I trust your promises. And then he just hangs out in his homeland. We would say, well, Abraham didn't really believe because he didn't do anything. If Abraham really believed that God is God and all these promises were waiting on him, he would have done something about it. God still calls his own. True faith still leads to obedience. God is still faithful to bring his children to their promised home. <coughs> Just as God told Abram that there will be a land that he has promised, a promised land, we as believers today, we know that there is a place that has been prepared for us. God is not just faithful to call us and get our journey started. Now we're just starting the life and the journey of Abraham, but hear me. This needs to stay in our minds throughout this whole study and every day of our Christian lives. God does not just call us and get our journey started. God calls us. He starts a good work in us. And He is faithful to finish that which He started. God calls us. He sustains us. He sanctifies us. And it is because of God He glorifies us. And we will be with Him in glory. So God still calls just the same. Those who truly have faith will be obedient. Just the same as Abraham actually got up and did something. And we can rest assured that if our, if our journey has begun because of God and His grace in our life, that He is faithful to bring us home to the place that He has promised to us. And we can find great confidence in that. Thank you guys as always for being attentive. I pray that we find great joy. And great confidence in the truths of God and in the promises of God. I pray that as we look at Abraham's life, we, we see that, that nothing has changed. It is God who calls sinful men. It is God who gives His promises. Many great promises to sinful man. We are the recipients of grace.
And we are to be obedient. We are to live in faith and exercise that faith. But even when we fall short and even when we stumble because the spirit and the flesh are at war, God is still faithful. He will finish what He started. We know, spoiler alert, all the things that God promised Abraham came to fruition. God is faithful. And we can find great comfort and great confidence in that as we consider the life of Abraham. I'm going to cut myself off before I get going and preach a second sermon. Thank you guys for listening. Consider these truths about God. Consider these truths about His grace. May we rejoice. And may we apply these things to our lives. Let's pray.